Hello, this is Michael Fanning, and I'm the host of the Windermere Coaching Minute. This is our quick form podcast where we'll talk to Windermere agents who bring creative ideas, power strategies, and successful routines to light. In each episode, we'll talk to real estate professionals to learn what they have done that have allowed them to be better than they were yesterday. Please enjoy our podcast. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, everyone. My name is Joe Galindo, and welcome to the Winnemar Coaching Minute podcast. I will be your host for today's call, and I'm so excited to have as our guest, Travis Stewart. Travis, welcome, and thank you for joining us. Hey, thanks so much for having me. You know, I've, I've wanted to, to have this have you on the podcast for a while now, and here's why. You have an interesting uh, story to tell. Um, I'll just do a quick introduction. Uh, Travis uh, is a, an 18-year real estate professional, the first, uh, been in, with Winnie for 11 years, and prior to that, he was in the title uh, industry, mortgage industry, um, for a total of 18 years in real estate. And Travis, I know that um, you work with your mom, uh, and you have an interesting story, because I know, like a lot of our listeners, they come from real estate families. Mm-hmm. Tell us what it was like, maybe, to work with your mom and, and uh, share with that with us. Yeah, um, you know, it was uh, a unique kind of direction for me. Um, I, I got through uh High school, I did a two-year uh, stint when I was in living in Florida and riding uh, a wakeboard pro tour at the time, or trying to compete in it at least. Um, came back home in 2004, was trying to kind of figure out like what it was that I wanted to do, spent some time at uh, college, and then uh, found my way into appraisal. Um, but the, re- the reality of the whole thing is my mom has been in real estate for 25 plus years, so even when I was in grade school, I was kind of watching what she does and how she does it um, and kind of always had a little bit of a slight passion for her job and kind of her career, but did not really want to work with mom right out of school. Uh, so yeah, I, I had that kind of feeling of like, okay, what are other things in the real estate industry that I might be able to check into before like what I felt like was kind of like, okay, giving up a little bit and going, okay, well, I'm, I'm going to work with mom. I wanted to figure out what else was there. Um, and so we started working together in the end of 2012, beginning of 2013. Um, and it was more out of this kind of family side where I'm an only child. Uh, my mom had been in real estate for many years. My dad had joined her for a small period of time. My dad retired. Um, the, in, the, the, like the industry as a whole was kind of slow and slowly starting to pick back up. And in 2012, she and I kind of talked about really her need for, uh, you know, an exit strategy and help at the time being. So that's where we kind of sat down and talked about, you know, could I use my, you know, eight years of background in the appraisal industry and then title and escrow 
and potentially be an asset to her, her clients, and then kind of building that business from the foundation she built into something that could continue to keep going. So that's that's where it kind of started. And so how did your um, your time in the appraisal business, title and escrow, how did that help you transition into to real estate sales or did it? How was that did it have any effect on maybe working with buyers and sellers or evaluating properties? Yeah, no, huge. Um, the funny part is it's like, you know, you had uh, you had kind of prepped me on that question. And it is a huge part of my real estate like life. Um so I started in 2005 with a, uh, like at the beginning of 2005 with a buddy that I met at college who him and his dad and a few uh, guys our age had kind of started an appraisal business per se. And uh, so I learned a lot from them in like a really fast, like five or six month period. Um, they ended up kind of making a move more out of state. And so uh, I got hooked up through a lender uh, with a company called Scott Mann Appraisal Group out of Bellevue. Um, yeah. They ran a uh, wonderful shop that there were 12 of us at the time. I'm still friends with uh, most of the employees, if not all of them, that uh, had worked there. And Scott Mann was kind of this um, larger-than-life personality. And I got to know him personally and then spent the first few years really just being an apprentice to not only him, but so many of the guys in the office. Um, and it was a crash course. I had to learn how to quickly value properties, how to understand what uh, updates contributed to value, uh, possibly changes that might impact value, school zones. Uh, I mean, it was, it was a ton of data research that I looked at as a you know, uh, kind of an adventure because you would sit, you would go to someone's house, you would meet this person, and this is like 2005, six and seven, when people were so excited to see me because if they were refinancing, I was the guy that would tell them all the wonderful, you know, equity they had in their home. Um, or if they were selling, I would usually meet now my new colleagues here in real estate and they would be, you know, pushing on me to say like, you know, hey, here's these wonderful things about the house. And, oh, you've got to see this you know, new stove that they put in and, and you're walking around feeling like, wow, they, they're really glad I'm here. Um, and so it was, it was interesting because I got to see the side of the appraisal to where I think as a, as a broker, if you didn't have that, I, I think you would kind of struggle a little bit at the beginning to understand what contributes to value and what doesn't. Um, and so that was where my, I mean, honestly, my side came from quickly learning how to do what I did in the appraisal side, but then to kind of build a business on that through Scott Mann Appraisal or SMAS, what we called it, um, and kind of learning the ins and outs of all of these various wild communities that are all unique and different and special throughout Kings, Nahomish, and Pierce County. Um, we added it up at the end of this thing. So I, I did seven full years as a certified appraisal, two of which I was a trainee, obviously, but so seven years total, and I had been in and out of more than 1,800 homes. Oh. And so you you get this like vast knowledge of, you know, if, if a broker says, hey, I want to be a real estate broker, and they're like, I just love homes, and, you know, I've been in a lot of homes or whatever, with appraising, like, I had been through like, you know, almost 2,000 homes in my you know seven year career, and you look at that and you go, I've seen everything. I mean, I've seen 
crawl space is full of water. I've seen the improvements that you just got to kind of keep a straight face and go, wow, I can't believe you did this. <laughs> right, yeah, right. <laughs> so, and then, you know, the, the wild part is I saw the industry flip because now in 2008, I was, you know, heavy into appraising and, you know, kind of had built a name around town with the various lending uh, institutions that I would work with as clients. And I saw it all shift and I saw like this immense heartbreak that happened. And I was on this other weird side to where we, we definitely were impacted, but it was impacted in a totally different way because the minute things changed from, you know, multiple offers and, you know, uh, a big purchase market, the refi market jumped in because they did all of these government like refi sponsored products. And so I was running around doing refinances and doing the appraisals for that. And instead of this warm, fuzzy, amazing feeling, I'm kind of walking into people's lives and then I have to evaluate, you know, wherever they're at and be absolutely un, you know, I have to be completely biased. And so I, I can't, I can't look at their sad faces or their anger or their disappointment or whatever it is. And I just have to focus on this. And I remember thinking like, wow, this really, this really kind of jumped into a zone that I, I really am not loving, but it is what it is. Yeah. But it, and for most people who are listening to the podcast, you don't have the background of being a home appraiser, but would you, would you say or agree that uh, it's important for agents to tour properties to, but I would often say to coaching clients, listen, there's no substitution for getting in and walking around and seeing a home. Uh, you can do virtual tours, but boy, the more homes that you're in, you see the neighborhood, you see the neighbors, you're able to walk through, kind of, you know, feel in touch to understand um, what's value and what isn't so that when you're meeting with a, a potential seller or walking a buyer through a property, you can quickly evaluate I think there's value here. I think this seller might be a little optimistic in their, their list price. Um, but the more homes you see, the better capable you are to be able to evaluate a property and, and determine whether it's a good value or not. Would you agree? Yeah. Well, and I mean, the big one is you quickly learn the difference between cost and value. Mm -hmm. And so if you would stand, and this happened all of the time, but you would stand in someone's backyard and they they would point to a swimming pool and they would say, we put in this half a million dollar swimming pool and all of the vegetation around and all that. And you would sit there and you'd look at them and you're like, you know, you can't say it, but you know that $500,000 swimming pool was for them and it may cost that, but for them to get the value out of that back in 2005, six, seven, and eight, it just wasn't there. And okay. so that is the piece that is, is kind of troublesome. I think for, if you're a new broker and you you look at it and you go, okay, uh, they spent a million dollars on the house. They put in a half a million dollar pool. Um, their house is worth 1.5. And it's like, well, no, there, there's some things that you've got to kind of extrapolate and say, hey, it's great that they you know put that amazing pool in and had 10 years of amazing fun. But not everybody in the Seattle area is super excited to take on the maintenance or whatever is underlying that pool. Mm -hmm. And so that's where I look at it and go, you know, I don't expect a real estate broker who's getting into the business to, you know, venture down the appraisal road first. But I think the benefit in actually potentially meeting with an appraiser or having some good conversations, maybe over coffee to say, hey, as I sit in a listing presentation and I pull comparables 
and it looks like everything in the neighborhood supports a price. Mm -hmm. And I sit in there and the seller says, I want a price plus 200,000. Yeah. You know, instead of feeling like almost that anxious, nauseous feeling of like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I'm going to be the one to tell them this horrible news. You kind of put that appraisal cap on and you put it all back onto the facts and you're going, you know, hey, I am not here to argue whatever your value of your home is here. All I'm here to do is try to give you some ideas of what buyers might be looking at if your house is on the market today. Yeah. And that did same thing too. The great point with like kitchen remodels. I hear all the time, and we drop $75,000 on a kitchen remodel and your choice of granite or tile or colors or appliances may not may not fit what the you know the buyer is looking for and they may not see the $75,000 worth of value they might see $30,000 of value but yeah good that's it's it's and the other piece on that which is wonderful to know is you have to think about depreciation mm. and so that is one piece that we have run into time and time again where you sit at a listing presentation and you talk to a client and yes they have the coolest most amazing kitchen but they built it 10 years ago. And so, yes, they spent $70,000 10 years ago, yeah. but now it's a little outdated. The cabinets have been worn. The appliances show signs of wear. And so for them to go, well, you better add $70,000 onto your price opinion. And you're going, well, wait a sec here. Like <laughs> There is depreciation in some of this that we have to consider. And, and that can be a really challenging conversation if it's you versus them. And one thing that I always try to do is go back into that appraisal day because I would stand there with my clipboard. I had just been out in the rain. The gutters have like dripped down my jacket <laughs> and I'm standing in the kitchen and you can tell the homeowner is ready for a fight. And I'm like, I'm not gonna fight. Like there, there's no reason for me to get in this argument. And so I would put everything back on the facts and stay completely out of my own opinion because the minute I uttered the words, you know, I think it was like, oh boy, we're in it. Here we go. <laughs> As opposed to uh, the market says. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, I want to ask you, because I, I know your mom was a, and I knew your mom long before you and I ever met, uh, you know, great lady and a stellar in the real estate brokerage community. And I'm sure you learned lots of things from her, but maybe one thing or one uh, concept or principle that you learned from working with your mom that, that you know, you apply to your business today. So my mom is a unique woman, and I'm not just saying that because she's my mother, but she has this ability um, to really make you feel like you're the only person that matters at that moment. Um, and I've asked multiple people that have been friends with her for years and clients, and my mom has this care and attention for the person, and it, it far outweighs anything to do with the transaction. And... I learned a ton from her at the beginning because I watched the way, and even going back like as my childhood, I, I watched the way that she would care for her clients. And my dad was in car sales. And so my dad dealt with customers and my mom dealt with clients. And I had a hard time understanding the difference of that as a kid because I'm going, why is mom's business so much more relational? And we're we're having like mom's clients over for dinner and we're going to mom's clients, like kids graduations and all this stuff. But my dad just had all of these customers 
and he would laugh and tell stories over the dinner table about some wild test drive or whatever happened that day. But there was never really like a, a follow-up. And as I kind of started to watch and grow with her at the beginnings, um, I could see it. And she has this thing that she really had never really articulated, but her big one that we've kind of now worked out is she focuses on fulfilling the need versus worrying about the outcome. And so I can get so wrapped up in, especially like we do, we do a ton of uh, transactions where client will come to us and say, we want this new house and it's our dream home. And we're so excited. And you're going, okay, great. And then they go, but we have this house and we need it to sell and we need it to sell for this and we need it to sell this fast. And if all of those things happen, then we can go buy the other house. Well, as you and I both know, the market doesn't work that way. So we are, we're like finding uh, home equity lines of credit. We're doing all these, you know, creative financing to get them the dream house. And then instantly that humongous like chunk of pressure lands on our shoulders. And I instantly go into this like survival mode. Of, okay, let's organize <laughs> everything. Let's find systems. Let's get this done. And I, I watch my mom care for the client. Mm-hmm. And I see her like stop and she'll make text messages or calls or she'll go visit or she'll drop things off. And in the early days, I always thought like, you know, what are you doing? We're right in the middle of like something humongous where we've got all of these tasks and you're dropping off flowers to the client, you know, on a random Tuesday morning with a note. I, what are you doing? And a lot of it was she was fulfilling the need in that at that moment, she knew the emotions were through the roof. And despite the client getting the house, not getting the house, whatever, at that moment, they needed to be personally touched and felt that Mm -hmm. we understand this is a human transaction Mm -hmm. and not just solely a business transaction. And so I watched her do that and I thought, okay, that, that is extremely powerful in this business. Boy, if, if if our listeners take only one thing away from today's podcast, it's that we are in the relationship business, yeah. right? And really, there are two types of transactions, to your point, Travis, in, in real estate. There are the relational transactions that you just described, delivering flowers mm-hmm. and caring about people, and the, the transactional transactions where we might be buying leads or maybe clients who pick up in an open house or working at a, a new construction site. And none of those things are bad. No. But just know what it is, right? I mean, it's a transactional. I may not ever talk to you again. And and how I got the lead was because I I paid money for the lead, or I I did an open house and somebody happened to walk in. Versus I'm I'm investing in people's yep. personal lives. The one we've had, we've had some of the best, most amazing people that we've met at an open house, didn't know from Adam, and then they come back and become clients, and they're some of our most amazing, wonderful clients. And it's almost like the the click happened at the open house and you were instant friends. Mm-hmm. And it was, and then that's where I feel like mom's rule of thumb, which is focus on fulfilling their need and don't focus on the outcome. Because if a guy or a gal or somebody walks into your open house and they tell you, we're just looking, there's a tendency for you to shut down and go, okay, well, I'm gonna move on to the next person who's like actually ready to buy. And we've actually had some amazing stories that came out of just being there and a resource and loving the person who's just looking. And here we are two years down the road and they're going, hey, 
we want to sell our house. We want to buy a vacation home. We told all of our neighbors about you. Our aunt and uncle are coming to you. Our friends are, you know, and all of a sudden you're going, holy cow, this was the biggest unlock. And they just got to see the real you because they knew at an open house, there was zero way they were buying that house, but you didn't treat them like garbage. You treated them like a human. Yeah. You know, I'm going to uh, tell a story uh, and you'll remember the story working with Josh and Teresa Bates. And I think you were, I think you spent most of an afternoon finding a water meter or something that was hidden under some bushes. <laughs> Dear friends of ours that we referred to you and your mom, um, uh, they were selling their house and renting and moving to Texas or moving actually here to the Sammamish. I think he helped them with yep. the purchase and trossacks. Uh, or, um, uh, this was our first time meeting them and working with them. And they were moving from Renton to Sammamish. Yeah. And it was like, it was their like dream home. Yeah. And so we sold their gorgeous home in Renton. Yeah. And so, yep. And then, and so uh, they uh, they couldn't find. Was it the water meter they couldn't find? No. So we we had a very simple septic inspection. Septic, okay, and that's so the one. It it should have gone flawlessly. And so midway through the septic inspection, the septic inspector came back and said, "Hey, we actually we can't find the lid to the main component that we're looking for." And she had, and I'll never forget. It's called like connect connect. Uh, a kick or something. It's some sort of like brush that covers the ground and it grows like like a mesh to where you can't get through it. And it is on a hillside ever, too. On a hillside, it, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And if she ever listens to this, she'll know exactly what I'm talking about. But it's <laughs> it literally like grew over the septic system in a way to where you couldn't just pull it away to poke or prod. And the septic company was unwilling to do anything. And so we were like in the 11th hour, which all of us have been to this point and it's going, okay, we're threatening. We might not close. They had already purchased the next home. The funds from this home were drastically important to them. And I knew like we had one week to figure all this out. Um, and so I went out there and Josh and I, I talked to him and he's like, no, you don't need to do this. And I'm like, no, 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 I'm in. And the septic company had left a lot of their tools there. And so I took this like uh, iron rod and I was thinking through to myself, I'm like, okay, I've appraised so many of these homes. I've seen a lot of septic systems. I don't deal with septic systems on the regular, but I we do have a house that has one. So I figured, okay. And I started looking at the as-built and walking like a, a grid yeah. on top of this bush. I remember I was that. out there for hours. In the rain. <laughs> in the rain, pouring. It was just unbelievable. And I remember trying to stay positive and both Teresa and Josh would come out and say, do you want anything to drink? Do you want a sandwich? Are you okay? You should stop. And I'm like, no, 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 it's okay. And they just happened to be near me when I was prodding down and I hit something. <laughs> Ding. And they're like, oh my gosh. And I'm like, I think. And so then we had to cut all the bushes away. And where the company was looking was only two feet away from where I found it. And so I unearthed it, sent a photo to the septic company. They were out the next day. We did it, and every I was like, "Oh my gosh, it was unbelievable!" <laughs> so sometimes we have to go a way above and beyond what we normally yes. do just to make sure the transaction goes well. I know they were they're super grateful. They're dear friends of ours, and and well, they have been. They yeah. are a great example of don't focus on the outcome. Yeah. And so I knew their needs, and I just I went for it. And they have they they have they're somebody that I check in with often. And now they have, you know, since moved from Sammamish and now they're in Texas. Uh, 
But even with them in Texas, it's funny, like I think the the brain or the normal real estate brain would say, okay, they've moved out of state. They can go, you know, work with somebody else and off they go. Mm -hmm. But if if you have a client and you truly make your business clients for life, catching up with them has actually equated to several referrals here in this area. And it's like, I love and genuinely love catching up, hearing what's going on. They've got two kids. They're in a new community. They're constantly doing something fun because both of them love sports, love traveling. And so for me, I'm going, you know, you can't, you can find uh, referrals or find clients in the craziest ways, but you really can't box them into, I only want referrals that live in my community and will continue to buy and sell in my community because there's so yeah. much more. Well, and here's a great point too that our, our audience should know is that um, they lived in the Seattle area. Josh grew up on Mercer Island. That's the uh, husband. His wife, Teresa, is from Vancouver, Washington. They have deep roots in the Seattle uh, metropolitan area. And to your point, even though they live in Texas and you stay in communication with them, they're sending you referrals in Bothell and Woodenville, yeah. and places, people that they did life with for 30 some years that still live here. Yep. That, and there's still today a great referral source for you. Well, and the cool part is they are absolutely like the poster child for the triangle of trust. Yeah. Because you look at it and you go, they so the, the referral client here in Bothell trusts them implicitly and they trust me. And so that referral client, when you sit down with them for the first time, knowing full well, they'll probably interview other agents. By the end of the meeting, if I'm, you know, in that position, almost every time they kind of smile and we make that connection and they go, yeah, we're good. Like, let's go. We're, yeah. Everything they told us about, this is but, you, let's go. So <laughs> the power of the referral. Yeah. So two things, Travis, I'm going to just kind of maybe end our time um, with two things that, that you do really well, because really this calls about customer care and, you know, finding septic tank lids and all that stuff. But you do a great <laughs> job at your client activities. I know you hosted a, a holiday party over, over Christmas. I think you said you had 160 or so people attend the yeah. party. Maybe give us an idea of what that looked like. Um, uh, the, you know, give us a flavor of the event. If you're comfortable, maybe sharing costs for something like that. Cause oftentimes when I talk to people about hosting events, they're like, Oh my gosh, what's it going to cost me? I think sure. you can do some events and not have it cost uh, a fortune to do it, but give us some idea of maybe that event or maybe another event or two that you you've done in the past. that has been successful for you. Yeah. Um, well, the big one for us is it's organic. Uh, I started with mom almost 11 years ago. Um, we had a really unique kind of, uh, I think it was like built in the late, late 1800s, almost early 1900s. It was a building right here on Market Street in Kirkland. Um, clients that would come to the building were always intrigued. Uh, could I have a tour of the building? Could I see it? And so early on, uh, we started with, okay, if anything like office related, so the office would throw a casino night or they would do something and they would open it up to clients. And back then, you know, we didn't have the same volume of clients or the following that we have now. And so we would open it up to our clients and say, you know, once or twice a year, hey, we're throwing this customer appreciation. And it was funny, we started noticing like, wow, our, our clients are filling the room in such a manner that maybe we should do our own. And so we started with, um, it was a like a holiday party where people were able to come and we would serve, uh, I think we had sandwiches one year or even those little roll up deli sandwiches. And we would just kind of love on people. And it was kind of a, I think a way for them to like, 
you know, go shopping for their holidays, do all their things. Um, but at the same time, like we got to connect with them. And then it morphed into, is there anything we could do that would potentially be a win for them during this season? And so everybody, you know, is having kids and we're watching all of this. And we realized the Santa aspect of this could really be cool. Um, so we hired this, uh, you know, lifelike Santa. Santa came to the office. We offered it to our clients. It started out with, you know, 40 people that would that shuffle through. It was an open house. It was during the day. Um, and then it just kind of grew and grew and grew. And when we hit COVID and kind of had to stop for a second, um, when we turned the faucet back on, and so now here we are in the, you know, December 2021, it was like people were so excited to come. Uh, then in 2022, it grew again. And so 2023 was kind of this culmination of spending time investing in the you know our clientele and trying to stay really focused on hey i'm not just going to connect with you once a year and so you'll be you know you would be getting phone calls from me and you know some form of a check in so that periodically throughout the year you're not just getting a an evite going oh they're doing another holiday party i'm talking about it i'm getting excited to see them and if i don't see you then hey i'll see you on in december when we have the santa party and so this year we did it at night. And so it was Friday night. Uh, we had 160 people in attendance um, and they, they were clients. And so that was the piece that was the key is, you know, we've, we've all been invited to a client appreciation, but you, you got to kind of think if I'm not a client, then what am I doing here? So that's, this seems salesy. This is, this was very much a, this is a client appreciation Thank you for trusting us with, you know, referring. And we open it up to if you hadn't bought or sold a home with us because maybe you don't own a home, but you've referred us, your friends have referred us. That's that's a client in our mind. I agree. Uh, and so we did. Uh, we had Santa. We had um, a food truck outside. We had professional photographers. Uh, we had um, music going on. We hired kind of a catering bartender uh, this year, and it was. It was really great. And I, I, you know, honestly, we're probably running right around $6,000 as far as cost. But the neatest part about it was you're not forcing anybody to come. You're not, you know, making an obligation to make them uncomfortable. This is an event that people are now starting to look forward to every year. And so when people would leave, they would say, oh my gosh, again, so much fun. Um, what do you think time frame will be for next year? And so you leave them almost wanting that little bit of more. And we have a couple other things that we do throughout the year, but really the Santa party is kind of the end of the year. And I get up and I talk for 10 to 15 minutes, just out of the, the genuineness of thankfulness for them and for the referrals and just what they do for our business on a daily, daily basis. Yeah, no, I love that. Especially when you leave them wanting more and they're asking you, Kind of give us an idea of when the next one will be so we can put it on our calendar. That's great. <laughs> That's awesome. And it's it's really fun too, because it's I see so many of our clients in the element of buying and selling, which is heightened emotions. Uh, sometimes you kind of feel more like a counselor in those situations. But at this point, everybody's guard is down. They're just there for me to hopefully, you know, bless them and say thank you. And then it it has kind of been, you know, the feedback is. This really kicks off our season and we can't thank you enough for just including us year after year and letting us be a part of it. And you get to watch 
I mean, I've seen all of my clients' kids grow up mm-hmm. to where now I've got like junior hires sitting on Santa's lap, laughing, thinking, my gosh, I've been doing this now for six or seven years. This is awesome. Like, <laughs> yeah. it's, it, and that's that's the big one. I, it sounds like that's the big one each year. Do you do other events that maybe less than six grand that could like pumpkin patches or things like that? Yeah. Or- so our big one is we've done the corn maze at pumpkin patches and we kind of call it more like the harvest season. Um, that I have learned, you've got to be careful because everybody wants to come, but it gets wildly out of control quick. And so what we've kind of done with that has been more like our referral partners. So in a year when you had, you know, uh, a good amount of referrals that came from certain spots and in their local and people can make it work that invite kind of goes out there. And then on the secondary, you're looking at going, we're always finding like fun opportunities to do smaller happy hours. Um, My wife and I obviously, you know, we live in a spot where we can host people at our place during the summer. And uh, that's been something that we've loved to do. And whether it be, you know, getting uh, a family and their kids behind the boat for the first time. And that memory forever will be, you know, yeah, we were at, you know, Travis's house, he helped my son or daughter up on a wakeboard. They got photos of it. It's like, oh my gosh. And I I think me, I grew up wakeboarding and doing all that. And so it was kind of normal to me, but I, I realized not everybody grows up with that kind of influence in their life. And so it's it's super cool to be able to offer that back. Yeah, I'm raising my hand. I've never been on a wakeboard. I tried water skiing a few years ago. My, my, my wife's family had a boat for years and she was a pretty good water skier, but uh, I I drink lake water whenever I get I get on. <laughs> hey, the last thing well, I wanted to talk about because I, I get you know client events are very important because it says thank you uh, for your patronage. It says we care about you. It's a way that we can get together and have fun and build community. The other thing that you do really well um, are gifts. I know you give uh, gifts. Um, maybe explain to us like really two questions like how often uh, beyond the closing gift. I think a lot of people listening will say you know when the transaction closes we give a nice closing gift. Do you give gifts like throughout the year? And the second part of that question is, do you have a gift service that you use? Are you delivering the gifts yourself? How does that work for you? And how do you determine like who in your database gets a gift? Is it people that bought and sold that year? Or are there other people in your database that might get a gift from you throughout the year? You bet. Um, yeah, gifting has been a huge thing. The The interesting part that I, I kind of resonate back to, though, is there's there's a pretty big difference between selective gifting versus generosity. And you can kind of feel when somebody gives an obligated gift to you and you're kind of like, oh, hey, thanks, you know, but there's no real like backstory to it or understanding of like, why am I getting this gift? Um, And if you don't live that way on the day-to-day basis, then it can be extremely uncomfortable to receive a gift from somebody and go like, oh my gosh, like, what do I do with this? Um, And that's been one thing that even from the beginning, my mom has taught me well before, and even dad, both mom and dad are in a uh, it's that servant's heart of understanding that we are aren't here just for our own self gain. It's really like if you live in that mindset of what can I give and how can I include and all of these things. So like little things that we've noticed, you know, over the years, if you don't have that heavy attachment to the bottom line, it allows you to kind of overflow that into many different facets, whether it be the check at a dinner or, you know, picking up items along the way. Um whether it be, you know, birthday gifts or fun or whatever, the gifting service that we had used um, actually came from an introduction from a Windermere summit when they did like the, 
beginning of the year rally, and they brought in a guy who started a company called Client Giant. And I think most of us at Windermere have heard of Client Giant. Um, and they did they do a phenomenal job taking the uh, the thought process out of you know annual gifting, uh, biannual gifting, whatever it is that you're comfortable with budget wise. Um, they have closing gifts, and they just do things for real estate. Um, but the the trouble that I, I started to kind of realize is during the heyday, you know, Client Giant was wonderful. It was great, but I kind of saw like the gifts starting to get a little bit generic. And the cost is is definitely up there. And so when you look at your you know profit and loss statement at the end of the year and see that line item of how much you spent on this one gifting program, but not really getting that you know full feedback of, and I had some people saying, gosh, this is so great. I'm glad that Windermere does this for me. And I'm like, ooh, that's not exactly true. <laughs> this, uh, this, this is actually me doing this for you. And I am so glad you said that because we really would like to make sure that people understand this isn't the company of Windermere sending you a gift. This is like us actually going through it, you know, uh, identifying you as one of our very important people in our lives and wanting to stay in touch and stay in flow. Um, so we've tried now a couple different. There's uh, curated gifts is another one that's been wonderful. Um, we've done some of our own. We've done personally produced gifts. Um, and those challenges are real. The deadlines, postage, uh, making sure that the boxes are the right size, um, just even the quality of how it looks when it arrives. Uh, so I, I think if someone is really adamant on trying to figure out like what that gifting first step would look like, I would almost go through your, and this is kind of what we did, is we had to go through our list and look at it and go, okay, I've got to define who are the people in my list that I really am very strongly attached to and they breathe life into me as much as I would like to breathe life into them and put them on a list yeah. and think about it and go, if that list is a hundred, your client giant bill is going to be high. Yep. And by, by list, you mean database, right? So your database. Yeah. Of, yeah. And, and you're, you're bringing it down. You're not taking your whole database. Yeah. So, so to put it in perspective, uh, for, for all the years that I sold real estate and gave gifts, I sorted my database into A, B, and C clients based on yep. the level of relationship. C clients being really people that I helped buy or sell a, a property, but I didn't really know them personally. The Bs and As were personal friends of mine, uh, but the As I saw all of the time, big referral sources, you know, that sort of thing. So based on whether you were an A, B, or a C would really determine when you would get a gift, how often you would get a gift, and what that mm -hmm. gift might look like. Because to your point, you can't send out, you know, uh, $150 gifts or, or <laughs> gifts and not end up in the poorhouse really soon. Yep. And that's kind of where I, I saw Client Giant working in our, you know, direction to where the 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 list got so long and then there was only really one option to do this. And so it, it got to a level to where when I started reviewing a lot of our year-end budget and I'm going, wow, we are we are really dumping a lot into that bucket, which I love and people's feedback is really great. But when we started to get mixed reviews of, man, we're so glad it's a Windermere thing and you're going, okay, I think we're missing, we're missing yeah. something here. Yeah. <laughs> and, and also too, uh, even if we're not using uh, a, a, a company, like you know, client or some other company, I think Costco or, um, yeah. you know, um, 
you know, a, a wine distributor or something like that, if you're giving bottles of wine for gifts, you can buy a lot of those things in bulk at Costco and other places. And and that, and a little personal note, the bottle of wine left on somebody's front porch, um, it doesn't have to be an expensive gift. It just has to be the thought that, that really counts. Well, I was just going to say the thought. And if if I received something from you, Joe, and it showed up and it's a pre-printed card that says, from Joe, thanks a lot. And then I <laughs> open this like expensive bottle of wine. In my mind, I'm going, I probably would have taken a very inexpensive gift and a note from Joe that said, you know, gosh, this was so much fun. So glad we got to connect. Say hi to so-and-so, Joe. And I look at that and I've learned that over the years of, you know, there are some people that love the gift and they mm -hmm. are, there's clients that are like, you know, wow, you just sold our $3 million house and you got me a, you know, X amount of gift. And they, they think about it. There's others where, and that's a larger group. They really don't need an expensive gift. They don't need wine. They don't need anything. All they want is some sort of piece of you for that moment to say, Hey, I just so appreciate you. And at this moment in time, you mean a, you mean the world to me right now, and I wanted to take this time to write you something heartfelt or whatever that may be. Yeah, but I love it. Personal notes along with those gifts, uh, as long as the gift is from the heart, it doesn't really matter the the expense. Yep, Travis, great stuff. Uh, thank you so much for taking the time today. Uh, final question: People have questions about anything you talked about today, and they want to get a hold of you. What's the best way to reach out to you? You know, honestly, my Windermere email is probably easiest. Uh, it's just Travis S or Stewart, Travis Stewart, S-T-E-W-A-R-T at windermere.com. And, uh, or you can easily find me online, just Travis Stewart, R-E.com. Awesome. Thanks again, my friend. I think this was a beautiful talk today. I love the fact that you uh, make it personal. I love the, the client events that you do because it's about building community. I think the gifts that you give are thoughtful gifts that show people that you really care. Thank uh, you. So yeah, thanks for, for carving out some time to share with us today. No, this was great, Joe. Thank you so much for uh, reaching out and I'm glad we got to connect. So if you'd like what you heard today and you feel, uh, feel like you want to share it with someone else, please do. If you've got ideas or topics that you'd like to share on the podcast, content that you'd like to, to share, please reach out to me at joe at joegalindocoaching.com. That's joe, J-O-E at J-O-E-G-A-L-I-N-D-O coaching.com. Likewise, if you're interested in learning more about the coaching program here at Windermere Coaching, feel free to reach out. And as we like to say at Windermere Coaching, be awesome and help someone. Thanks, guys. We'll see you soon. See ya. Well, we want to thank you for listening to our Windermere Coaching Minute. We hope you found this content helpful. If you did, please feel free to share it and give us a rating. And we'll always end our podcast by saying, be awesome and help somebody and make it a great day.